This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 22, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. It's perhaps not unexpected, but the premeditated destruction of private savings in North Korea has destroyed what little hope many people retained under the totalitarian regime. Jim Dorn, vice president for academic affairs at the Cato Institute, says the power grab by Kim Jong-il's regime has lessons for the West. Well, the end of last year, the North Korean government decided to have a currency reform in which 100 of the old won, which is the Korean currency, would be exchanged for one new won. They also put a limit on the number of won that could be converted. It initially, was was 100,000. So if you had 100,000 in cash, uh, you could convert that into the new won at a ratio of 100 to 1. So you basically lop off two zeros. So uh, if you had 1,000 won, it would be worth 10. Uh, in addition, they allowed people later on, a couple days later, to uh, convert up to 300,000 won from a savings account. But it was a very small amount, and what they were trying to do basically is try to reassert control over the markets that had developed in the previous five years or so. They had opened up a little bit. They allowed market exchange. Uh, they, they had also a thriving black market, but also legal markets, and this was supplying food and other necessities to the people. Uh, this reform came out of the blue. Nobody expected it. People had been saving t- for 10 years uh, uh, to uh, increase their their style of living, and uh, they had more choices. And all of a sudden, overnight, they said within one week, you had to make this conversion and this limitation. So any money over and above that was worthless. You might as well burn it. Uh, and as a result, people started spending like crazy, and of course, that pushed prices higher. Uh, things disappeared from the shelves, obviously. Uh, and the government basically wanted to retain control of the economy. Uh, so it was an anti-market move. It was a political ploy to basically increase uh, power. And uh, it turned out to be, a, of course, a huge disaster. There's really no difference, is there, between economic liberty and personal liberty. Uh, economic liberties are, are one of the most important personal liberties. And although Kim Jong-il may have been behind this, uh, apparently his son, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, was the architect of this. Uh, his son is, uh, you know, 27 years old, uh, has absolutely no knowledge of the way economies work, uh, wants to maintain his power in the transition. And, of course, they used the finance minister as a scapegoat who was uh, implementing this plan because it, it failed dramatically, and he was actually executed. Uh so uh, the regime is uh, even less stable than it was now. But, of course, every time there's a crisis, uh, they make a, a stronger play for power and, and people lose uh, their individual freedom, uh, which uh, what little they had uh, to begin with. What did these markets look like? When The way you describe it, it reminds me of reforms that have been undertaken recently in Cuba, that is small farmers allowed to sell their excess to uh, consumers. Right, that's exactly right. And a, a, a lot of the entrepreneurs that were running these small markets, uh, particularly for farm goods, uh, uh, f- uh, so s- specific food supplies that uh, were not readily available through the so-called public supply distribution system, which was a, a mess and had used rationing. So people would go to these informal, they're like farmers markets like we have here, for example. Uh, and most of them were run by women. Uh, 
this is traditionally what happened in, in China, too. Uh, Kate Zhou uh, has written about this uh, and how the farmers changed China. So they implemented these reforms after 2002 uh, when they had a se- severe hyperinflation. They had a famine during the 1990s because of their silly policies. Uh, so they had to relax things. Uh, people got more choices with these uh, underground. They weren't even underground markets. They were open markets, but they also had uh, underground markets as well for other products. Uh, but you got to remember, this was in, with, within uh, the framework of central planning. So you had sort of an island of, 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 of free markets in an ocean of, of, of state enterprise. Uh, so they, they relaxed central planning uh, somewhat because they had to, uh, to keep things running. Uh, but then uh, some of the people in the party were concerned that they were losing uh, grip on the economy uh, with the emergence of markets. And, of course, this is how they cracked down. And the, the fact that this has been a huge failure – uh, can lead in two directions. One, uh, a crisis prevents, uh, presents an opportunity for even more draconian measures. Uh, or two, uh, it provides an opening uh, to say the central planning is not working. Uh, let's introduce markets and open up a little bit. A point that might easily be lost here is just the fact that when you have uh, open control of the money supply given to the central authority, that it's very easy for mischief. It's exactly right. That's uh, a basic point. Uh, you have central planning of the money supply. Uh, if you have an independent central bank uh, basically designed to limit the growth of the money supply and maintain price stability, uh, that may work for a while if you have a uh, rule of law and a stable government. But a system like North Korea, uh, the central bank doesn't mean anything. It's just part of the plan. And uh, Money, in fact, is frowned upon. Uh, what this, this was a move towards pure communism, uh, just like the uh, period of war communism uh, following the Russian Revolution. Uh, they basically abolished money. They didn't want money transactions because money gives people power. Uh, it, it expands their range of choices, and by taking away this option, uh, they make people dependent upon government, and they politicize the entire system. And this is exactly what the real purpose of the reform was. We use fiat money because we trust that tomorrow we'll be able to exchange it for stuff that we want. We hold on to it, it's a store of value, a medium of exchange. But if, if that, that level of trust cannot exist uh, in North Korea... Well, let me give you an example. Uh, during the so-called currency reform, uh, before it took place, actually... Uh, the government uh, told the farmers that, okay, instead of paying you in grain, they wanted a, a grain uh, for themselves, they could trade it or you know, consume it, uh, we'll give you cash. And the farmers, they said, accepted that. Well, they probably had to under command system. And then what did they do? They turned around and said, your cash is worthless. So this is the, there's complete lack of trust uh, in this type of system. Uh, if you're going to have trust, you have to keep promises. And who would believe the North Korean government? Uh, who would believe most governments, in fact? Look at Social Security in the United States. They're doing this similar type of thing at a much uh, more uh, minor scale, but it's the same type of thing, breaking promises. Uh, so if you put your belief in government promises, whether it's fiat money or Social Security, uh, you know, you're taking a big risk. 
And that's one thing that's happened uh, in North Korea. This re so-called reform has created tremendous uncertainty. Uh, and uh, food supplies dried up. The government also at the same time impl uh, uh, imposed uh, quotas, uh, rationed. So output was falling. People wanted to get rid of their money, so prices started shooting up for sp specific types of food supplies. And again, that puts the government in, in a more powerful position. Uh, so again, the, I guess the lesson is, is that you need uh, some type of rule of law, limitation on the powers of government, uh, but you have to establish trust. And uh, that's difficult to do in a system like North Korea. So one thing they could do is uh, import an outside money, uh, whether it's a U.S. dollar or uh, the euro or yen or some other currency. Uh, in fact, they were using renminbi, the Chinese currency, uh, so the government outlawed the use of foreign currencies in, in those small markets. Um, and only official traders, which were state monopolies basically, uh, could get foreign exchange. So this is another example of violation of economic and individual freedom. Jim Dorn is Vice President for Academic Affairs at the Cato Institute. You can read more on North Korea, monetary policy, and economic liberty at Cato.org.